The following guided meditation was given at Common Ground Meditation Center in Minneapolis, Minnesota. So we're on page 27 this morning. We'll begin with a short chant. This is really the teaching of this chant is really about this shift in orientation. A lot of the times, most of the time maybe, um, we feel a bit overwhelmed by life. And when things are difficult for us, we tend to get in this rut where we're looking at our experience and looking at our circumstances as something to feed me. I feel badly, it's too much, it's too hard, I can't take it anymore. I need something to sort of make my life worth it to get up out of bed in the morning, right? And I mean, it's not that we actually fully believe that, but that can be the dominant attitude in our mind a lot of the time. Oh, I'm not getting out of bed unless there's coffee or, you know, I'm not going to get through the end of the day unless I offer myself something fun to do in the evening or something pleasant. I get to indulge in this or that. And so this is a provocative turning of that where we're, because it, you know, when we have that desperate dangling of the carrot, it's we do that to energize our life so we can keep doing what needs to be done, right? So the one, the interesting question is: there another source of energy, enlivening energy, that allows us to do what needs to be done as a human being? And something to check out is this quality or this attitude of generosity. Can that be enlivening for us? Just as enlivening as promising ourselves a candy bar or whatever we might dangle in front of ourselves. Oh, if you're good, you get to. If you do what you're supposed to do, you can. But to really uh, start to feed on, to be enlivened by this attitude that I'm giving my whole life away. I know I don't get to take anything with me. So everything I do, every way I show up, I'm framing it as a gift. And it's not about neglecting our own needs. We get to give gifts to ourselves too. But everything we do, the whole point of life is to contribute, to give, and to, in a sense, be fed by that quality of generosity in the mind. Now, this is for us to check out. Can that be enough? I'm looking at Renee here, who was a young child. <laughs> so I may feel insulting for someone who hasn't had a kid, to be saying, oh, yeah, look at your child rearing as an act of generosity. Because a lot of places in life seem to just keep asking for more and more, which is why we often then get in that place of feeling deadened, overburdened, it's too much, I need a chocolate bar, I need this, I need that. And so it's just that, uh, that kind of honest exploration where what is a reliable reliable source of life energy so that I can show up in all the places I have to show up as a skillful human being? Where what is a reliable source of energy? And that kind of scarcity or stingy model kind of works, you know, where we 
give ourselves, throw ourselves a bone. It sort of works, but it's that whole scarcity, stingy mode of living is always tight and exhausting. And we're always sort of a frightened animal wondering, am I going to run out of interesting programs to watch and to reward myself with? Or, you know, you know how it is when things don't work anymore. Oh, that used to make me get up, but now it doesn't make me get up anymore. Right? And then we we can feel a little bit, well, what's the point now? So let's do this chant on page 27. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully they haven't depressed ourselves. <laughs> Reflections on sharing blessings. Now let us chant the verses of sharing and aspiration. Through the goodness that arises from my practice, May my spiritual teachers and guides of great virtue, my mother, my father, and my relatives, the sun and the moon, and all virtuous leaders of the world, May the highest gods and evil forces, celestial beings, guardian spirits of the earth, and the Lord of death, may those who are friendly, indifferent or hostile, May all beings receive the blessings of my life. May they soon attain the three bliss and realize the deathless through the goodness that abides my practice and through this act of sharing. May all desires and attachments quickly cease and all harmful states of mind until I realize Nibbana in every kind of birth. May I have an upright mind with mindfulness and wisdom, austerity and vigor. May the forces of delusion not take hold, nor weaken my resolve. The Buddha is my excellent refuge. Unsurpassed is the protection of the Dhamma. The solitary Buddha is my noble guide. The Sangha is my supreme support. Through the supreme power of all these, may darkness and illusion be dispelled. We take some time and we listen to the body, adjust the posture.
finding a posture that feels settled and relatively comfortable, upright in a way that supports sense of clarity. So finding the appropriate balance that works for today. Having that sense of being right in the middle, not afraid to feel what's here in the body, what's here in the heart to feel. Even if it's unpleasant, maybe that's okay to be intimate and to let whatever's being felt, allow it to move. Allow the feelings, in a sense, to touch the heart. Allow them to come in and keep moving. So we're undoing any habits we might have around freezing up around our experience, tightening up around experience. And... Instead, we're learning how to be soft and vulnerable and sensitive and alive, undefended, unarmored. But we don't expect it to be easy, and we're, we learn to be respectful of all of our habits we've picked up around defending and closing down and distracting and being in denial. These are deep habits that have to be respected and seen for what they are, inefficient attempts to take care of ourselves, strategies that don't really work in the long run. So we're learning a better long-term way to be a human being, which is this deepening insight that it's actually okay to feel what we feel. It's actually ultimately safer for the heart and the body and the mind to open. not to demand any explanation, not to have to define our lives to ourselves, just to feel and to let everything keep moving, thoughts, emotions, sensations, sounds, sights. Life is a flow, and we're learning to trust that movement. But it means being undefended, not freezing up. So, to whatever degree it can be, this is the place where maybe there's enough safety for us to sit in a relaxed and upright way and to simply let everything move as it is moving. Again, 
sensations have permission to move. And the emotions have permission to move. Thoughts and mental images have permission to move. And in a way, initially at least, it can feel a bit like a free fall. This willingness to soften and to open and to allow everything to be the way it is which is a movement. But even that, we eventually learn to trust that it's okay for there to be no ground, no definition. Nothing whatsoever needs to be clung to, needs to be grasped. And this is really the surprising fruit of long-term practice. It's this discovery that wisdom and love isn't substantial like solid ground. It's quite light and open. It's really more of the absence of grasping of neurotic holding. That's more the flavor of wisdom and love and freedom. Experiencing moments that have that flavor of the absence of grasping, the absence of weight, the heart being weighted or burdened. So this is our working ground. We're sitting here right in the middle, feeling the body, sensing the thinking mind and the feeling heart. I'm just wondering if it's safe to trust everything and to allow everything to move, to be the way it is, clear and relaxed, awake and relaxed right in the middle.
or keep things really simple. We're just sitting right in the middle and noticing that everything's moving, thoughts and sensations and emotion. And the heart is naturally curious about what leads to the experience in my heart getting tight and heavy and what seems to support more ease, more lightness, more freedom, more that beautiful quality of love. So we're not trying to make something happen as much as the wisdom is just understanding what leads to stress and what leads to release. And all this learning happens precisely because the heart is willing to be intimate, willing to be right in the middle.
you'll know that wisdom is present when there's a natural interest in the mind or in the heart, this interest that wants to discern whether the way the mind is in the moment, the way it's showing up, the way it's understanding, whether that's helpful or not helpful, whether that's a way of relating, the way the mind is relating, whether that's a cause for stress or whether the way the mind is relating right now is a cause for release. That's the telltale sign of wisdom being present, wisdom and love being present. Because wisdom and love, that natural capacity of the mind, it cares And so it's willing when it has a good perspective, it's willing to listen and to look deeply to see whether the way the mind is relating, the way the mind is showing up, whether that's helpful or not, whether it's part of the problem or part of the resolution of any stress, any suffering. So to facilitate that wisdom, you can ask the question from time to time, both in your sits and in daily life, how's the mind doing? How's the mind relating now? Is it helpful, the way the mind's relating? Or is it unhelpful? Just that curiosity goes a long way toward developing the practice. How's the mind doing? Is it helpful? Is the mind relating in a way that causes stress? Or is the mind showing up in a way that supports a release?
And now for the last minute or two, just being sensitive to how the heart is, to feel the sensitive heart, even if it feels numb, And we practice opening to the heart, to the mind, in this direct, immediate way, as if it really matters, this sensitivity to how the mind, how the heart's doing right now. We're not pushing or imposing some plan. We're just willing to be sensitive. because we care. And we're practicing being unafraid to feel whatever we're feeling. We're practicing relaxing and trusting Allowing these conditions here, especially the more subtle conditions about how the heart's doing, allowing them to be the way they are. We're learning to let this more intimate presence be our new normal. Like maybe I can live my life this way, just being sensitive and unafraid to feel and and to be this sensitive. Even as I have to do all the things I have to do in my life. So in that sense, we're choosing never to be far away, really valuing this kind of exposure, for lack of a better way to talk about it. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.